shapeshifters. So for the first time ever on The Money Show, a porn star. Rhymes with prawn, not with torn, if you understand what I mean. Um, our porn star this evening is the chief executive of Cash Converters. His name is Richard McIver. He brought the Cash Converters franchise, it's an Australian concept, to South Africa in 1994. Did you wait for the 27th of April uh, to check whether everything would be okay, or did you beat the deadline, the <laughs> democracy deadline, Richard? Evening, Bruce. Thanks for the invite. Um, we actually started thinking about this way uh, way before that, uh, probably about uh, 1992. When uh, I was in large corporate in the mining industry, and uh, I come from an environment of a small business background, my family's in, been in small business all our lives, and I wanted to do something myself. And myself and a bunch of mates of mine from Varsity uh, were looking around to get into business. And you studied accounting, so are you all accountants? Right. No, we're not all accountants. Okay. I actually, I'm a, I call myself a failed accountant. <laughs> I stopped at the BCom level, uh, majored in IT, um, and uh, got together with a few mates. One of them did become a CA. Uh, and we were looking to get into our own business. We thought South Africa was a, a place of the future. We were very, very excited about the opportunities of the new South Africa. And we had lots of excitement, lots of passion and no money. Um, so, yeah, good. That, that's a perfect <laughs> way to start out. <laughs> so we really focused in on the franchising industry because we felt that that was an industry that we could, we could build something uh, in. We knew very little about it. Uh, and we started looking around the world, and we ended up with, uh, at that stage of the game, with two on our shortlist, uh, two brands, uh, Cash Converters from Australia, which is the world's largest second-hand dealer, and uh, Postnet from uh, from America. And we so brought, you looked at Postnet before Postnet arrived? Well, we brought them both in at the oh, same time. Oh, you did? Time. Okay, because right. yes, Postnet yes. is now run by a listed company. That's correct. It's in the OneLogix uh, stable, yes, One and uh, right. we listed it in there in 2001. And uh, myself and my now financial director and partner in cash converters went along with the cash converter business, and our ex-partners uh, continued the development to the post-net business. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that, that's an, a, a nice way to start. Okay. So here we sit, 1994, you, you bring cash converters to South Africa. Does South Africa have a history of, uh, of pawn shops, of people going in to trade their goods? Any Hollywood movie you watch where people are a bit down and out, they'll take their mother's yes. engagement ring and take it to the pawn shop and get Fifty dollars for it, uh, be shouted at in the shop, and told to bugger off and never come back unless they've got their money, and otherwise their mother's ring will be sold in a week, and they will never see it again. South Africa does have a history of second-hand dealers as well as pawn. Uh, What's pawn the shops? difference between the second-hand dealer? The second-hand dealer buys and sells second-hand, primarily household goods, and and doesn't lend money, whereas a pawnbroker would lend money against that same category of product. So uh, we do have a, a, a history of that. In fact, uh, in the context of the new Secondhand Goods Act, the registrations that came in a couple of years ago, I understand from SAPS that the uh, the amount of secondhand dealers and pawnbrokers in the country in excess of twelve thousand. Wow! So it's it's large, it's established. Pawnbroking is probably best known in the UK. It has been around in the UK for many, many centuries. And in fact, the first recorded instance of pawnbroking in the world is in uh, is three thousand years ago in Mesopotamia. So it's it's one of the. What was pawn? <laughs> somebody's somebody's know. donkey or something. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I mean, but, but here we've got a situation where you do both. You do pawnbroking. Um, so I can give you my watch, and you'll give me fifty bucks, and hold on to it for a period of time. Uh, if I have the money by the deadline, I, I bring it back. I give you the cash plus a bit of interest, no doubt, uh, and you give me my watch back. Cash Converters International is founded on a pawnbroking business, as you've described it. Now, when we brought it into South Africa, what we wanted to do was create a mainstream retail environment in the second-hand industry. And we felt we had two 
two problems with that, starting it out as a pawnbroker. The one was uh, clearly the, at that stage of the game there was no legislation associated with pawnbroking in South Africa. The National Credit Act, when it came in in 2007, brought that into the environment and created a set of rules around which we could operate that business. And primarily when we started out, we kind of figured, as you can well believe, that if you're wanting to mainstream a brand in the second-hand industry, that's a challenge enough as it is sure. because it's not perceived to be aspirational in any way, shape, or form. So we started the business in South Africa as a mainstream retailer. Uh, I started the first business down in Cape Town in Paro in 1994. We opened it up in October of that year. In fact, uh, now that I think about it, being the 1st of October today. Happy birthday. <laughs> thank yes. you so much. Um, and ran that business for two years, then sold it on to our first franchisee, uh, built it up into Cape T- in the Cape Town area over the next couple of years to 10 or 12 stores, and then I relocated to Gauteng to run the business from here. Um, along comes around about 2005, and we're just doing the retailing side of the business, the crux of the business being effectively providing people with short-term access to cash, quick access to cash. You've got something lying around at home, you're tripping over it in the garage all the time, and you're wanting to get rid of it. It's a kind of convenience. It's, almost think about a, uh, a McDonald's drive through If I want food quickly, you go there. If I want to get rid of something conveniently in, the, in, the, in, a, in a second-hand environment, you come to a cash converter store. So the concept is you bring the kit into your into the store, uh, we'll value it, we'll negotiate the price with the individual, pay them cash, and literally within 10 to 15 minutes, they're in and out of the business. Now, 2004, 2005 come along, and you may remember that the, the world was really pumping from an economic oh, point absolutely. of view, and we were really struggling to get stock at that stage of the game. Because everybody was buying new, and nobody's buying secondhand, and nobody wants to sell anything about hoarding. And, yes. yeah, okay. So we went back to our principals in Australia and said, okay, what's the next step in the process? The National Credit Act had just been promulgated at that stage of the game as well, and that brought to the country um, the control of money lending within the context of one act. So now we had a set of rules and we had an established mainstream brand. And that's that point in time that we started thinking about incorporating the money lending component. So and you're a micro lender as well? Correct. So we started off with a, with a secured uh, money lending in the context of what we call a cash advance or mm-hmm. a loan against somebody's uh, valuables in 2007. And that proved to be extremely successful and extremely popular. And now we were able to provide our customers in the context of short-term access to cash. They could either sell something outright, or if they didn't want to get rid of the item, they could use it as collateral to borrow something, to borrow money from us. Aren't you the most wonderful conduit for stolen goods? How do you get around that? Because, I mean, you mentioned the police a moment ago, so clearly yes. you do have yes. regular interaction with mm-hmm. them. But I, I would think for, for, for many people involved in burglaries, um, you know, suddenly you know, Joe comes in every Monday morning into the bag full of stuff. Boy, he must have a huge house of things he doesn't need. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, how do you get around that? The, the departure point effectively is from a philosophical de- uh, perspective. We do business with honesty and integrity, and we don't buy stolen goods. So that's the departure point. How then do we, you know whether it's stolen or uh, not? Then, then we operate within the context of the law. And just to give you an idea, the Second Hand Goods Act, it's controlled by the South African Police Services. Um, when we buy something, we buy, we're not allowed to buy from anybody under the age of 18. We're required to take copies of the ID books. All of our stores have got uh, closed-circuit TVs in them. We record the transaction date and timestamp video recorders. We have point-of-sale systems that record every item that comes in against the person who sold it to us. So we'll have Bruce sold us this cell phone. That goes into a uh, almost like a bonded warehouse for a seven-day period of time. And if I buy that cell phone that you sold to the cash converter store, post that, then my details will be taken as well. So there's a, effectively a, a record all the way through the process. Um, 
at the end of the day, you're never 100% sure if the item that Bruce is selling to me is owned by him. But we've honed this over 20 years to such a degree that the amount of stolen goods is almost almost minuscule. Um, and the, the bottom line is it's almost like a self-regulating environment because if I do buy stolen goods inadvertently, I can't pass free title onto somebody else. And those goods effectively then get repatriated to the rightful owner and I lose the money. I've got clearly an opportunity to get the cash back from the person who stole it from me, legally speaking, but yeah. that situation doesn't occur. That person would have vanished yeah. long ago. Uh, absolutely right. Um, the market, how big is it? I mean, you've got something like 70 stores in South Africa, thereabouts? That's correct. So uh, um, we think the market is is huge. Uh, our retail turnover this year will probably uh, reach it just under half a billion rand. If you look at the likes of the mass marts of the world, just one of our brands uh, or one of the groups will be doing the same type of stuff at, at 50, 60, 70 billion. So it's, it's really, really significant. And that's part of the reason why we have 1,200 regular, uh, re, uh, registered second-hand dealers in the country. So we think there's a massive opportunity in South Africa going forward and indeed the rest of Africa. Do tough times, are they good for, for, for the cash converters business? I would describe tough times as effectively having the wind behind us. So we We've got a tailwind. It does make a little life a little bit easier. But, you know, at the end of the day, the market will determine. So if we're not servicing our customers properly, if we're not paying them prices that, that they believe to be fair and reasonable, they'll go somewhere else. So you continuously have to hone your, your skills all the time. Um, those foot spa thingies. Yes. If ever I go into a cash converter store, into your competitor stores, the one thing, the one item that stands out is like every one of you guys has got like six of the foot spas. Somebody goes to clicks and buys them then doesn't dig them anymore and then gives them to you. And yes. you keep buying them. They actually come uh, via via the, the, the TV advertising into a person's house. They get used once or twice, then they go into the garage. They sit there for a few years and then they finally get to us. The crux of the matter actually is is that uh, that the fact that they're in there means somebody wants them. So uh, uh, there's a market out there that, that buy them from us. And, and if we pitch it at the right price and significantly less than the new price, we can sell absolutely anything. But nowadays, I don't need to go to the trouble of coming to your store and negotiating with you. I go on to Gumtree. I go to OLX. Um, they advertise extensively on television, which suggests that they have got some capital behind yes. them, um, which suggests they've got some fairly deep pockets. That is the new rivalry that you're facing. I Absolutely. Suspect. It definitely is. It's, the, it's the, uh, the, the next frontier. And if you look at our gain, our principles in Australia and the cash converter stores in the UK, you'll find that uh, the websites are are uh, uh, web shop enabled and much of the product within the bricks and mortar of those businesses are actually available off the internet as well from those cash converter stores and that's part of our strategy going forward. But uh, so if you're looking to buy something, it's really, really convenient. You get onto that web shop and you, and you go and buy it. Whether you're sitting in Johannesburg or Cape Town, you can, you can buy it from anywhere. Um, but if I buy direct, I don't have a guarantee. I see on your website that you offer guarantees on, on products. So if, if the wheels come off the vacuum yes. cleaner or whatever the case is, I've got a claim against you the as the retailer. Absolutely. The default from, from the cash converter environment is you buy from us uh, with a six-month guarantee. And uh, um, if there's anything wrong with the product thereafter or during that period of time, we'll fix it, replace it, repair it, or refund you your money. Question from Colin in Horizon on my SMS line. uh, For the CEO of Cash uh, Cash Crusaders, um, he's he's fighting with the wrong person. Crusaders and Converters are two different lots, right? Correct. They are two different businesses. Crusaders operates out of Cape Town. It's a South African business. Focuses in our industry, but primarily selling 
new product. Okay, well, he wants to fight with the CEO of Cash, uh, of Cash uh, Crusaders. Crusaders. Um, uh, he, 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 this is a broad principle question. Yes, okay. um, this is aimed at the CEO of Cash Crusaders. Um, is it fair business practice to offer 100 bucks for a perfect condition Electrolux vacuum cleaner, which I paid nearly 1,900 rand for and is still selling at that price? Um, uh, when are those the sort of margins that you would demand in this sort of space? <laughs> no, not nearly as large as that. Oh. But really, it's it, as I said earlier, it's the market will will determine what the selling price will be at a point in time. So if we're not offering the prices that people are prepared to sell it, we won't be able to buy. So what would you offer him for his 1,900 Rand vacuum cleaner? 150 bucks? <laughs> I what, have what, no idea. What is the market in second-hand <laughs> vacuum cleaners? I have no idea I'd have either. To, I'd have to have a look at it. Do, but, do, but, do second-hand vacuum cleaner sales suck? Right. Sorry. <laughs> Well, what I suggest you do is bring it into one of the cash converters stores and see what they'll offer him. <laughs> the cash converters chief executive this this evening is in studio with me this uh, tonight. His name is Richard Makaba. Your calls on o two one four four six zero five six seven o double one eight eight three o seven o two. Learning a lot about cash advances. Learning a lot about uh, issues around uh, around uh, micro lending, around pawn shops, p a w n shops, and of course uh, around the second hand goods market. And of course in South Africa with our particular penchant for breaking into other people's houses and taking their stuff. How secure is the stuff that you buy from these uh, from these stores? Tonight's shapeshifter is Richard McIver, the chief executive, the guy who brought the cash converters business from Australia to South Africa. About 70 stores in South Africa. They are pawnbrokers. They are also guys who will give you cash for stuff that you don't want anymore, especially foot spas. I suppose the busiest time of the year for you in terms of getting new product in must be... Not Valentine's Day because people don't give gifts in the sense. You don't take second-hand bunches of flowers. But probably after Christmas, you must be flooded with rubbish that people get given. I mean, things, gifts that people are given. The environments that we uh, we purchase the product in, we call our buy shops, and they are extremely busy in January from about when people come back from, uh, from holiday season. And there are two reasons for that, uh, I suspect. Uh, one it is to do with Christmas presents that may not uh, may not have been uh, exactly what the individual wanted, and the other, of course, is that my sense of it is is that people may have extended themselves over the Christmas holiday, and we're coming back to reality, and it's about mm. going back to school and and all those expenses that they uh, that they may need cash for. So January is a really really busy activity period for us in that buy shop. The flip side of that is December time. So when we start up from about the 5th of December for the Christmas rush, that would also be a, a massive peak in our retail environment. And when we look at it in terms of employees, if I go into a second-hand car dealership, they've got the book value book. And they can say, oh, this has got a book value of 120, so I'll, 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 I'll pay you 110 for your car. I make 10,000 rand profit on the deal. Um, I can turn it around quickly. I know that this particular model sells well. It's kind of harder when you've got 30 different kinds of vacuum cleaners and 30 different kinds of foot spa and 30 different kinds of handheld vacuum cleaners that don't really work so and things like that. It is much more complex than, uh, than a traditional sort of car environment because the volumes are also bigger rather than, than smaller in a car environment. So what we try to do is we try to keep our selling price relative to new. So we need to know what the new price is. In the old days when we started out, you went out and you got a game flyer and you said, okay, a TV sold for a thousand rand or whatever it is, and I want to pitch the TV in at around about half the price of new. And then we'd give it a benchmark as to what we could buy it for. Um, these days, things are a little bit easier now what with Google and pricing and, and the like. And our uh, computerized point-of-sale system would indicate to us what we've sold product for historically. And so we just benchmark what, we, what we're going to buy for as a ceiling price for that particular item. So it's less complicated. But the psychology of it is more important in the context that what we're trying to do is we're trying to pay the customer the value of the item that they see at that point in time. Have you ever gone into the car trade? 
We uh, we have, and we, in fact, we've got a pilot store in uh, in Claremont in uh, in the west of Pretoria. We've been uh, doing that particular side of the business for about two odd years. And how, uh, how well is it going? Because somebody I don't know who this person is who's SMSing me on my cell phone okay. um, is is saying that it's not going particularly well. Uh, it's going well. We don't have a problem with that at all. We've got a very specialized person that's running that, one of our franchisees. It's much more complex than doing it in the, uh, in the uh, household goods environment uh, because we need to learn a lot more about it, uh, registrations, et cetera, et cetera. We're still testing the waters, and we'll see how it'll go. Are you making some missteps because this person, whoever this person is, is very cross? Uh, I, we... we, we uh, <laughs> When you start out something and you pilot something, you're, mm. you're, you're generally not going to get it right first time. So we've had some problems. We, uh, we opened a second store in, uh, in Oat Street in Randburg in September of last year. And unfortunately, it didn't work at all well with, uh, with a particular franchisee. And we ended up having to close that store. That, that's that, uh, uh, ask about okay. the Randburg branch. Okay. So somebody's, who, I was phoning this person after the show. <laughs> who are you and how did you get my number? Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so basically, it's, so, I mean, you, it, it's also a trial and error process. I mean, you, 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 yes. you understand yes. household goods. Yeah. You understand exactly. those sorts of elements. But motor cars are somehow more complicated. So the attraction really on the motor car industry side of things was to do less volume at greater value. So in our, in our household environment, we may do an average uh, loan uh-huh. value of 500 rand. And in the motor car industry, you could do an average loan value of fifty thousand. Yeah. So that that's really the attraction. But yes, we're learning through the process. The uh, the Randberg exercise was uh, was something we don't want to repeat again. Mm. Uh, we ended up closing that business within six months. Does it put you off cars? It doesn't make me that excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, franchising model. I mean, franchising is, is a popular pastime in South Africa. We had a big franchise breakfast with um, the Standard Bank uh, came to and uh, Kevin Hedewick there. And incidentally, you can download the, the, the video of the breakfast if you missed it. We had some really good stuff talking about franchising and franchising models and all of that sort of stuff. If you go to 702 or to capetalk.co.za, that video will be up tomorrow. Um, you take the franchise model and you've – are there any company-owned stores that they're all franchised? No, no, it's not all franchise, but predominantly so. So we'll have about 10% of the network we own ourselves, and we use that effectively to test drive uh, uh, new concepts, new ideas. And, and clearly, the business model is extremely profitable, and so we'd like to participate in that as well. So historically, if you look at cash converters in the in the UK and the, and Australia where it started, started out with 100% uh, franchise model, and over times in those territories, I think in the in Australia now, there's up to about. 30% of that network is now corporate owned. But our thrust in Africa is effectively uh, on the franchise model. And thrust in Africa, so outside of South Africa, expanding? Yes, we have a couple of stores outside of South Africa. We've got two very successful stores in Namibia. We've opened stores in Zambia. I um, must say that we have uh, – it's, it's, it's more of a challenge operating outside of South Africa, sure. within Africa, than it is here. And our growth spurt on our growth focus will be South Africa rather than north of the border for the next foreseeable future. What is the single item that is sold most through a cash converter store? Generally speaking, it's the electronics. So uh, cell phones are really, really, really popular. Computers are really popular. TVs, hi-fi, musical instruments, iPads, anything like that. So uh, electronics, the stuff that you would have to pay hand over fist for brand new if you happen to take a second or third generation model, uh, or the first generation model rather, um, you'll get it at a better price. And that's where people are are topping up on on their tech habits. So somebody that is in the habit of changing their cell phones every two years, um, that cell phone that they may no longer need 
somebody else can utilize quite usefully. And rather than putting it in a drawer and after 10 years you've got five of them and sitting there doing nothing, take it down to your local cash converter store, convert it into cash, and give it to somebody else that, uh, that will extend its useful life. I was so excited. I found an old cell phone the other day, and I took it out of its box because one is very careful about these things, and the battery had just exploded inside the thing, and it was ruined. Yep. You yep. know, what a waste. Yep. Oh, a fascinating discussion this evening. The Cash Converters founder and chief executive in South Africa, Richard McIver. Tonight, shapeshifted the business 20 years old, almost to the day since he opened his first store. Nice to see you, Richard McIver. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much.